Welcome, and let's first talk compliance. I'm Katherine Short, Partnership Marketing Manager at First Healthcare Compliance. Thanks for tuning in. This show is brought to you by First Healthcare Compliance as part of our commitment to provide high-quality, complimentary educational resources. We help create confidence among compliance professionals throughout the United States. Please show your support by taking a moment to provide a review on Google, Facebook, or iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Today, we are speaking with Trey Scott, Coordinating Attorney for Kennedy Attorneys and Counselors at Law, located in Dallas, Texas. The topic of today's program is steering clear of legal liability. The discussion will help the audience navigate the choppy waters of potential legal actions that often arise in the world of healthcare. We will start with a basic overview of the typical steps leading up to the filing of a lawsuit. Listeners will also learn how to prepare for potential future litigation and how to avoid simple mistakes that can later prove costly in a lawsuit. So hello, Trey. Thank you so much for joining me today on First Talk Compliance. Hi, thank you very much for having me. It's great to uh, be here, but be here uh, presenting on this important topic. Uh, it's one that a lot of people um, have probably heard about, but may not really know. And it's always something that you get secondhand advice that actually can be uh, detrimental. So it's it's an important topic to just give providers an overview of what the process is and how they can how they can protect themselves. Yes, unfortunately, I think it's something that a lot of providers find themselves in legal action. It's good to get into the nitty gritty. So I know that everyone has heard the term lawsuit, but they may not have gone through the process of one yet at this point, or, or hopefully won't. But can you describe the lawsuit process? Yes. Like you said, it's lawsuit is thrown around a lot, or uh, the term is, or you see a lawsuit in TV shows and movies, and you 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 get a incomplete picture of what the process actually is. So a lawsuit occurs whenever a um, petition or complaint is filed in court. Now that that document is filed by a plaintiff, and that document is what sets out the lawsuit. You're, they make allegations against whomever it may be and what they allegedly did wrong and what the uh, causes of action are or what they can be sued for. And then after the lawsuit is filed, what's known as service of process occurs. That's whenever you're actually served with the lawsuit. I don't know if anyone has seen the uh, movie Marriage Story, but they may have, considering it's on Netflix. There's the scene in the kitchen where actress is discussing serving her soon-to-be ex-husband with a lawsuit, and that actually is how uh, service occurs in some instances. Uh, individuals are personally served with a lawsuit, like in that movie. Um, in other instances, they're served with the lawsuit by mail. It's, it is possible to be served with a lawsuit by receiving, uh, receiving it in the mail. It just depends on the uh, jurisdiction. And after you're served with a lawsuit, depending on the jurisdiction you're in, 
you have a certain amount of days to uh, answer the lawsuit. In federal court, it's uh, 21 days after the date of service. And then in Texas, for example, where I'm at, it's 20 days, first Monday following the expiration of 20 days. Uh, complicated, but essentially it means all answers are due on Monday. And an answer is um, essentially your response to the lawsuit. It's where you get to deny the allegations in the lawsuit. If you wanted to accept the allegations in it, you would settle, but that's that's a discussion for a different time. Uh, after the answer, you'll go through what's known as discovery. Uh, that's where the parties exchange documents and questions and depositions occur of important people in the lawsuit to ultimately determine if the claims in uh, the plaintiff's lawsuit actually have any sort of merit. And then after after discovery, um, it essentially then goes to pretrial motions to where it may be um, dismissed or it may be um, settled or forced to mediation, and then ultimately uh, it ends up in final trial, and that's a trial before a judge, which is a bench trial, or it's a trial in front of a jury. Um, and then ultimately you end up with a final decision from the judge or the jury, and then you have to consider if you want to go through another process, which is uh, the appellate uh, process. And that's how cases end up at the Supreme Court. Well, how does this start in the first place? What type of events or incidents can result in lawsuits? There, there are quite a few incidents or actions or um, injuries that can cause a lawsuit. Um, I know a big one for um, healthcare providers, is, there are actually two really big ones, in my opinion, for healthcare providers. That is personal injury, which could be premises liability, a slip and fall matter in a hospital, a, a medical malpractice action where someone is uh, injured as a result of the medical care received at the facility. And also there's employment disputes. That's that's when a employee of the healthcare provider has some sort of issue, uh, whether it's uh, an issue due to the Fair Labor Standards Act, um, not getting paid overtime, or there's some sort of contract uh, dispute, or there is uh, a breach of that uh, employment contract. Those those are the main instances that can lead to legal action for a healthcare provider. But there's also um, other actions that could uh, result in lawsuits. Those are uh, potential board matters for the uh, physician, investigations from the federal government or state government into things like start, anti-kickback, or um, just licensing issues. Um, all of those can result in litigation if um, they get far enough down the line. So I know a lot of times we think about healthcare providers being on the defendant side, being 
sued defending themselves. What about, can they also be plaintiffs in lawsuits? What would that look like? A plaintiff lawsuit for a healthcare provider can uh, be a situation where a former um, employee, and I know this normally happens in situations like home health or uh, DME providers or other uh, situations where you may employ a marketer. Um, So you have this marketer and they end up going to another um, company that does the same thing as you and either there's a non-compete in place or there's not. The former employer uh, may want to uh, seek an injunction against that former employee due to the risk of losing patients or uh, they may be stealing patients, uh, stealing essentially trade secrets. So that's that's a situation where a plaintiff will um, a healthcare provider would be a plaintiff, or there's instances where you see um, healthcare providers in, as plaintiffs against the federal government seeking injunctions for certain uh, regulations that are being put in place. So those those are two good examples of uh, situations where a healthcare provider is a plaintiff. I never even thought about that. Those are great examples. So, Che, how about lawsuits? What is the best way to prevent a lawsuit from happening or a legal action? A good way to uh, prevent a lawsuit from happening is to make sure you have good uh, policies and procedures in place. Good policies and procedures will prevent you from treating different employees differently because it removes a lot of ambiguity. Uh, Policies and procedures will also protect you as far as um, having non-competes and things things of that nature. Also, you need to make sure you have a good uh, policy regarding sexual harassment uh, in the workplace uh, because that is a topic that is very on people's mind uh, right now. So definitely have something regarding that. Also, make sure you document everything you can in the medical record. Because if it's not in the medical record, then you're going to have a plaintiff's attorney saying that it didn't happen. So that's that's a very good way to uh, protect yourself. And also, uh, maintain, maintain pristine employee files. Make sure you have everything documented there in the event that you are facing a lawsuit from a uh, former employee or even a current employee. Okay, great advice. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to First Talk Compliance brought to you by First Healthcare Compliance as part of our commitment to provide high quality complimentary educational resources. We help create confidence among compliance professionals throughout the United States. My guest today is Trey Scott, coordinating attorney for Kennedy Attorneys and Counselors at Law located in Dallas, Texas on the topic of steering clear of legal liability. Please show your support by taking a few minutes to provide a review of First Healthcare Compliance on Google or Facebook. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If we've done everything we can do to prevent a lawsuit, one still comes along, what can you do to prepare for a lawsuit? If you have any sort of uh, insurance uh, you need to immediately reach out to your insurance carrier as soon or 
as soon as you are uh, served due to the fact that, like I said earlier, uh, a clock has a certain amount of time from when to when your response is due. So uh, as soon as you receive a lawsuit, you need to reach out to your insurance carrier. They normally have a uh, list of attorneys that they have worked with in the past that they can recommend your case to. If you don't have a insurance carrier um, for any sort of professional liability or in some instances general liability, just depending on the type of lawsuit, then um, the first thing you should do is start interviewing attorneys and then ultimately making a decision with the one that gives you the best feeling and has the uh, best plan because working with an attorney that that is a relationship so you need to you need to make sure you're going to have a relationship uh, with the attorney that you uh, both respect each other and you both um, have the same goals in mind uh, because it's litigation is very it, it's very stressful so you to make sure you have a good feeling with the attorney you're working with. And don't just talk to one. Uh, talk to several attorneys and then ultimately make a decision there and, um, and then work, work with them to provide the best uh, defense for your lawsuit. But, but you really need to reach out to them very quickly because, as I said, the uh, clock is ticking. Okay, so the clock's ticking, and then once you're you've prepared for the lawsuit, what advice would you give for someone actually going through the lawsuit? Try not to stress yourself out. Know that your attorney is handling it, and check in with your attorney. Um, make make sure I'm I'm not saying check in with your attorney every day, but your attorney should be giving you regular updates on how the how the case has progressed. So just if you haven't heard from them in a little bit, just say, want to know if there are any new developments, things things of that nature. Another thing would be to um, make sure you're um, not posting anything derogatory about the plaintiff on social media uh, because that will get found and used against you in the lawsuit. So that's, that's a main thing that I would recommend not um, not doing. Finally, uh, be honest with your attorney. Uh, that's, that's the only other thing I can recommend at this time. That seems so difficult for some people. Social media, and I don't understand that and it, because it seems so obvious because it gets people in so much trouble and then there's a written, you know, yes. a written and a record of it right there for everyone to see how upset you were about everything and it's right there right posted for everyone but it seems really difficult right. for some people to to get that through their heads but well I think that's in, great advice yeah in in the instant it will make you feel good to be able to type the post up, fire it off. It, it'll make you feel good in the instant because you finally got to say what you wanted to say. Uh, 
but it's not going to be helpful. If you need someone to talk to about the lawsuit, I, I would recommend uh, speaking with a therapist because they, <laughs> they will be able to listen to it and uh, you'll be able to voice all your opinions about it or even talk to your attorney about it because uh, your attorney in this uh, situation is gonna um, is going to be there to listen so you can you can voice your opinions and it's going to be attorney client privilege but mm -hmm. definitely don't post it out there on social media right i know we've been going through covid19 this year what potential lawsuits have you been seeing or do you anticipate providers facing well i i honestly anticipate a lot of employment uh, a lot of employment disputes because there's going to be uh, situations involving potential um, potential lack of PPE and also maybe maybe situations where too many hours were worked or put in a non-safe situation. So I anticipate and potentially we're seeing uh, employment matters and also going to be seeing a lot of medical malpractice cases, I, I believe. Um, they may be somewhat difficult to prove, but I, I imagine those cases are going to um, go forward. And in Texas, you have a two-year uh, time period to bring um, a lawsuit for medical malpractice. So if something were to happen in 2019, you may not know about it until 2020, uh, 2021, sorry. So there is there is a long time period, but I, I imagine there's going to be uh, medical medical malpractice. So oh, yes, I, I I definitely imagine there's going to be um, there's going to be a lot of a lot of lawsuits regarding just overall treatment at this time, and honestly, there may even be. Uh, there may even be federal court lawsuits against the uh, states and governments regarding how they properly um, how they properly prepared. So it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch in the next couple of years right. the different types of lawsuits. Right, and you mentioned overtime, right, and all kinds of things like that. I, it's just rife with so many things. Oh yeah, uh, especially a small, especially a smaller like home health or a smaller DME company, some, something to that extent that instead of uh, employees, they have uh, independent contractors. Definitely imagine there's going to be a lot of uh, lawsuits regarding properly paying of overtime. Um, right. Because there's, you, or you can't force someone to be an independent contractor to avoid paying overtime. So I'd, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some lawsuits regarding that. Right. Or like you said, the PPE, making sure that, you know, I wasn't properly taken care of or wrong right. lawsuits, that kind of thing of somebody who was in healthcare, you know, right. not being properly covered, don't you think? Oh, yes. If a provider is facing a criminal action, which we hope none of our listeners are facing that, of course, but if there was, what would you recommend? That is normally going to come up in an instance where potentially they're being investigated by a governmental or state agency for uh, potentially, and hopefully not, but uh, you have the uh, Medicare Fraud uh, Task Force that 
uh, goes around every year and um, has a huge bust. And I can't remember if it's in May or towards the end of the year, but it's um, they may have several of them. But um, if you receive any sort of correspondence from a federal or state agency, just make sure you run run it by an attorney because you can get yourself in more trouble in dealing with a criminal investigation because um, you can subject yourself to perjury potentially. So that's that's one of the instances. The only thing I would recommend different is I I would always recommend having an attorney, but in a criminal action, I would recommend making sure you have an attorney checking your correspondence to and from the agency or have the attorney do the um, correspondence themselves. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Trey. Do you have any other advice for us? This is a really great program. Any other final thoughts for us or things that we should be thinking about? I know we're just, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, yes, yes. It, it, it is just the tip of the iceberg. The only thing I would mention is that um, board actions, and that, that comes up oh, a lot. A healthcare, yeah. a healthcare, a healthcare provider uh, may end up in a situation where they uh, receive a letter regarding a complaint, and they are investigating the complaint. Uh, make sure you don't ignore those, because... Uh, ignoring a complaint investigating uh, investigation and failure to respond to a complaint investigation can result in an action being taken against your uh, license. So make sure you treat those just as you would a lawsuit. Make sure as soon as you receive something regarding a complaint investigation, you speak with an attorney. Okay, so a board action, so you're talking about like a nurse's board or physician's board, anything like yes. that, you should call, you should treat it just like a potential lawsuit and then get yes. uh, an attorney just the same. Is that correct? Yes, I'd, I would definitely I would definitely recommend that because um, the attorney is going to have had a lot of experience dealing with the board and knows what the board is looking for. Um, looking for in a, a response. Um, they'll know about the standard of care and be able to uh, help you craft a response that provides the board with the necessary information they need to hopefully dismiss the complaint. Now, can a attorney usually go into, if you have a meeting, a hearing before a board, can the attorney usually go into that with you? Uh, it, it, in my opinion, uh, experience it depends uh it depends on the board i know in texas um i've had matters before the um texas board of nursing and the uh physician board and both uh both allow the attorney to be there uh in the board of nursing the attorney isn't really allowed to speak uh but the attorney can be in the room uh with the nurse and um, essentially just help um, ask for maybe clarification on some things to better help the help the nurse uh, in the medical board they're allowed to provide some uh, provide some statements and uh, closing arguments but they still want to hear from the uh, physician so it, it really just depends on the board okay 
All right, well, thank you so much for uh, being on First Talk Compliance today. I very much appreciate it. So thank you so much. Yes. Yes, thank you very much for uh, having me on. I uh, really hope this was informative for uh, your listeners. I know that um, it may seem somewhat like this is common knowledge, but again, as I said at the beginning, uh, you, you may have heard a lot about this from either the TV or Facebook or your neighbor's neighbor that has gone through a lawsuit and, and just knowing the process um, and maybe understanding it a little better will um, help healthcare providers um, should they end up in a situation like this. And hopefully they won't, but it's it's one of those things you can't uh, you can't prevent someone from filing the lawsuit. Very true. Well, Thank you. So even though we can't prevent it, we can learn better ways of, of navigating the way through. So thank you again so much. Yes. Yes. And thanks to our audience for tuning in to First Talk Compliance. You can learn more about the show on our programs page on healthcarenowradio.com and lend your voice to the conversation on Twitter at FirstHCC or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. You can also email me at Catherine Short at firsthcc.com. I'm Catherine Short of First Healthcare Compliance. Remember, compliance is the key to achieving peace of mind. <laughs>